0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to cynthiahyatt.com. That's C I N T H I A H I E T T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and as always, I'm so glad when you join me. And today, we are going to be talking about a topic that i use very frequently in marriage counseling and couples counseling as well as with corporations businesses and any any system that has people involved in it and it is called today relationship rules who needs them and so i know that rules kind of have a bad connotation and so that's why i like to look at what rules are really about and what they are really for how important they are and really the positive side of rules so, you know, if you've listened to me for any length of time, I always like to give you a biblical reference for where this message kind of foundationally comes from. And so this is the NIV version, and we're going to also look at this verse in the message version. So Matthew twenty-two thirty-five through 41, it says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so I also like to look at these verses in different um, translations. So this is what the Message Bible says. And it says, this is the most important command. It says, when the Pharisees heard how Jesus had been bested by the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophet hangs on them. So it's really important as we look at this, at at laws and rules, edicts, directives, um, that what we want to see here, and it really shows us in the um, message version when it says, When the Pharisees heard how Jesus had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. I mean, this is what rules done wrong bring. This is the heart of a person that is doing rules for personal gain, for competition, for oppression, for control, for restraint. And so what Jesus did is he turned it back on them and he talked all about love. And the most important law is the law of love. And so as we look at this, we see that first we are to love God with all our hearts, with all our passion, all our prayer, all all our intelligence. That's the most important thing, Jesus said, because when we do that, we are better able than to love others as we love ourselves. And we've talked in many shows, especially the last two or the last four, about this whole idea of how I love and care for myself, how it directly affects how I love and care for others. And we talked about it in the previous show that when I have my relationship right with God, I have my relationship right with myself, I am that much better able to handle the imperfections of others. And I'm better able to love them because I have more resiliency and I have my emotional bank account is fuller. And so their imperfections don't affect me as much. But if my relationship with God is out of whack, and if I'm not good in a good space with myself, then I'm going to have a really hard time having grace and mercy kindness, gentleness, living at peace and practicing self-control with all these imperfect people that I deal with on a daily basis. I, of course, being one of them. So I want to ask you a couple questions. What do you feel like when you think about rules and how do rules play out in your life? Do you have a lot of rules or a few rules? Do you like to break rules or do you like to keep rules? Do you feel guilty when you break a rule? Do rules need to make sense to you in order for you to keep them? Do they feel restrictive, constraining, controlling? Well, let's take some time and look at this concept of rules and see if having rules in your relationship will give you the relationship you've always wanted. So, those questions are really important for you to kind of ponder, you know, because a lot of it comes down to how rules were handled in our family of origin. What did my parents do about rules? Were they consistent? Was there, were they, did they make sense to me? Did they follow through? Did we have dysfunctional rules? Did we have unwritten rules, unspoken rules? And so do I, did I come from a family that was so constraining and so controlling that all I wanted to do was break every rule possible? And if somebody tried to set a rule on me, I was, I was going to make sure that they had no ability to do that, and I was going to jump out of the box every time. Or am I someone that grew up in chaos, And so maybe structure for me is so important that I really like rules. I really like to know where the end starts. I mean, where where the beginning is, where the end is, what the point is, what happens if I break the rule. And I want everybody else to follow the rules. And so we probably, if we were to be honest with ourselves, have a combination of all of that. So the only reason that we're spending time on understanding this concept of rule and rules is to establish a premise as to why we may want to follow rules and embrace the need for relationship rules. It's kind of like I'm presenting to you my case for the necessity, for the importance of relationship rules, because if you truly want success in your relationships, we need rules. We need structure. So here my case here for relationship rules. So oftentimes we think that the absence of rules is ultimate freedom. However, How much would you enjoy a football game if there were no rules? I mean, think about that. How do you feel when the referee makes a bad call and it might cost the game? I mean, we had some great football games on yesterday. And the games worked really well, and they were exciting to watch because there were rules and we had referees. And when the referees didn't make a good call, people got really upset. So when people follow the rules, we can have a lot of really amazing things that occur. I mean, some of those plays yesterday were phenomenal. And a lot of that had to do with the structure of rules that allowed for the best of that player to come out. So if you think about what, what does no rules mean? Well, it's a free for all. When I think of no rules, I think of words like pandemonium, chaos, anarchy, helplessness, powerless, fear, and uncertainty to name a few. So think for a moment about times in your life or some situations when someone didn't obey the rules. And what were the consequences and how did you feel about it? So we'll take something kind of minor. Like, how do you feel when someone cuts in line at the store? I mean, that's kind of a minor infraction. But, you know, people can get really, really upset about that. I mean, that is a rule that we as people in the grocery store all obey. And we get very upset when somebody doesn't obey that rule. Or how about the person that goes in the express lane with 55 groceries? And they walk out with 10 bags. And then on top of that, they have all kinds of coupons. And it just goes on. And then they're going to have a check that they need to get clearance from the manager on. I mean, these are the things that drive people crazy. So how about the rule of infidelity? When somebody breaks that rule. Now, that's a major rule. And think of how you feel. How do you feel when someone cuts in line at the store or when they merge in the lane while you're driving? Because they didn't want to wait like the rest of us. How about when all those lanes are being merged into one lane? If you live in Arizona with me, we have lots of construction on all our side streets all the time. And so lanes are constantly being merged, and nobody ever tells us until we get there. And so we have these people that race all the way to the front and then force themselves in. Now, how do you feel about these people? Well, these are smaller infractions, but think about major rule breaking. So if you live in Arizona, what you will know is that we have the highest fatality rate in the nation for red light running. That's a big rule to break. And I know that many of us have done that. We've run a yellow light thinking that we've got plenty of time in that yellow. And some of that has to do with the way that the streets are set up in Arizona. It can be frustrating to drive here. But when we break that rule, what we have found is that we have the highest fatality rate for red light running in the nation. So what happens to your self-concept when you break your own rules, when you go against your own value system, do you know someone that, that has had to suffer through a DUI? And in their wildest dreams, they would never have imagined that that would happen to them, that they would do that. And there they stand before the judge having to face a DUI. How has your friend felt if they had to face that? How did you feel when you had to face that? What if a family member had to face that? What if something horrible came from that and so how does it feel when we break our own rules and see part of loving ourselves is following my own rules and so when god was talking about when jesus was saying that you love yourselves as you love your neighbors you love you love your neighbors as well as you love yourself well one of the ways i love my neighbors my friends my family my spouse my co-workers is that I keep my own rules. And this, this is very important as we consider what this does for a person's self-concept, for their level of shame and their own confidence in themselves, and how much better they are able then to respect the rules of others. So one of my friends or my husband, my family, my people I work with, they may have rules that you know, aren't necessarily something that I would need to follow myself, but are very important to them. And so one of the ways I love them is I respect their rules and we're going to talk a little bit more about the the nature of that and we don't want to get into legalism so what I want you to think about here is when rules are done correctly and rightly they create safety and security and this leads people to be able to relax and healthfully participate in the activity that the rules apply to see healthy rules cause people to flourish and grow because rules are like the skeletal structure of our body without them we could not stand regardless of the strength of our muscles. With them, we can support and use the strength of our muscles to move, to lift, to embrace, to build, etc. So rules are like my skeletal structure. If I don't have it, I can't do anything. I have no structure. I have no support. So when rules are done incorrectly or oppressively for an individual or for an individual's gain or to create fear or bondage or, or inauthenticity, dishonesty, The unhealthy rules cause people to grow abnormally or unnaturally, and this creates inauthenticity. So I want you to think about rules and how they apply to you, what you think and feel about rules, why you have rules or don't have rules. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again as we talk about this concept of relationship rules and who needs them. Thank you for coming back and joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about relationship rules. Who needs them? And we're talking about the importance of rules, what rules are about, why they're established. And we left off in the last segment talking about the fact that, this, that relationship rules or rules that we use in our society and in the way that we relate to one another are similar to our skeletal structure. So they're kind of like our the bones that hold us up. And so without our skeletal structure, no matter how strong our muscles are, we wouldn't be able to do anything. So rules create structure. And we started out the show with this great reference verse that I like to use always when I do shows. And this is Matthew twenty-two thirty-five through 42. And it says, when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, how Jesus had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. I mean, that's powerful language. One of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and your prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. So what I want you to see, as we left off in this last segment, we were talking about what rules do when they are done incorrectly and when they are done oppressively and for individual gain. And what they do is they create inauthenticity. They, they cause people to try to be something that they are not or feeling compelled to be something or someone that, that they're not in order to survive their environment. And so when we have rules that are done oppressively, that are done legalistically, competitively, for control, personal gain, this ultimately leads to dishonesty and hiding for the person that has to live within those rules. They have loneliness and shame and isolation, creates depression, feelings of worthlessness, feeling crazy, and so on. And so you can see in this verse that we looked at, these rules obviously were being done incorrectly because the heart of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was here in this verse it says they gathered their forces for an assault, and their one religion scholar spoke for them, posing a question that they hoped would show Jesus up. This is not what rules are for. This is not what commandments are for. They are to keep us safe, to keep us healthy. And so I, I like to talk about the spirit of the law. And when I, I use this example with clients many times when I'm talking about relationship rules. And I say to them, you know, outside my office, uh, the speed limit is 35 miles an hour along that road, and that's a good law, that's a good rule, because it's kind of a residential area in some ways, and so driving 35 miles an hour is a, is a very very good rule, but what happens if you're sitting next to me and you're having a heart attack, and I drive the speed limit to the hospital, I get to the hospital and you're dead, and so God says to me, Cynthia they're dead. And I say, well, but I I kept the speed limit. That's not what the speed limit is for. The speed limit is to create overall safety. And so what you want to think about with rules is they are not to oppress or to unnecessarily constrain. They are to create structure. So we want people driving 35 miles an hour in residential zones. But we also have to understand that there is a spirit of the law. There is a rule of law. And so sometimes laws and rules are to be broken. But we want to do that in a manner that is also coming from love, because otherwise we've broken the first law, and that is to love the Lord God with all our heart, all our soul, all that's within us, and that we are to love ourselves and our neighbors. So let's look at for a minute some examples of unhealthy relationship rules. And these are generally unspoken. They're kind of rules that are felt, and you feel them in your family You might feel them in a corporation because you have to understand that churches and businesses, anything where a group of people begin to interact with each other on a daily basis, they have a tendency to create a second family. So all those issues that come from their family of origin are created in that system. And so many times the, the more unhealthy that system is, you will find more unhealthy relationship rules. And they are rarely spoken but they are communicated very clearly. So one of the ones that is very typical and very common is it says, do what looks good, even if it's dishonest. Do what looks good, even if it's dishonest. So this is part of protecting the family, protecting the system, protecting the church, protecting the organization. And so we do what looks good, even if it's dishonest, even if it's inauthentic, even if it's not true to ourself or true to our own value system. Another one, don't be a bother and don't rock the boat. Now, this is a very famous unhealthy family relationship rule. And this transcends many times into churches, into organizations, and into our marriages and into our our families that we create as an extended family. And so many times we communicate to people, don't be a bother, don't rock the boat, don't make waves, don't need anything, don't want anything. And so what happens to that person is that they are then not being loved. They are not being cared for. And then they are taught to not love themselves and care for themselves. The third one is avoid conflict. Or in other words, just don't think about it. It will go away if we ignore it. Let's just pretend like it didn't happen. Let's pretend like it's not there. Let's pretend like the problem doesn't exist. And if we all ignore it and we collectively agree to ignore it together, maybe eventually it will just go away. Because we want to avoid conflict. Now, in in support of people that avoid conflict. You have to remember that one of the reasons we avoid conflict is we were probably taught that if we tried to confront something, it was a disaster. So we learned very quickly that confronting things may create more pain for us than actually ignoring what the problem is. So we learned to live around a problem, which creates for us inauthenticity because then we can't be really who we are because we're having to work around this quote unquote elephant in the living room. And what I tell clients many times is, you know, eventually if you ignore that long enough, that elephant in the living room actually becomes furniture and it just becomes a part of the system. So important that we look at unhealthy rules. So another one may be deny things you don't want to see and they will go away. This is similar to ignoring. But ignoring is a little bit deeper than denial. I mean, I'm sorry, denial is a little deeper than ignoring. Ignoring means I'm consciously ignoring this, like I'm just looking the other way, pretending it's not happening. Denial means I actually believe it's not happening. And so that's a little bit deeper, and that has a little bit more far-reaching effect when it comes to the unhealthiness of that system. So another very famous one is do what I say, don't do as I do. So I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you the rules. I'm going to tell you the the value system that you should be doing. But that doesn't mean I'm actually going to do it myself. So this role models inauthenticity for children. This role models hypocrisy. So one of the healthier ways that we manage this rule is we can change this into saying, you know, this is the healthy way to live. This is the value system that I want to live up to. I'm not doing it right every day. But even if I'm not doing it every, every day, I'm working on it. So therefore, that's the rule for our family. We're all working on this, even if we don't do it every day. And that helps to bring honesty, that this is the goal, this is the value, this is the rule, this is the command. But we're, not, we're imperfect people and we break it. So when we break it, we repent, we fix it, we apologize, and we work toward healthiness. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. And always visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. I hear the whispers in my thoughts. Well, thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And before we start this next half hour of this show... I want to remind you always to please visit me at my website, CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and like me on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's I-N-C for incorporated, where you get different devotionals, um, inspirational sayings for that day. You get to see what shows are coming up and where I'm speaking or singing. So I always love it when you like that page and visit me there and give me comments about what's helping you and what's, Um, going on in your life and always if you have ideas for shows I like to hear that so today we are talking about relationship rules who needs them well here's my case today for the show we all need them and I'm I'm talking about why we need them and what the point is and we started out with that that famous verse of love your love your neighbor as yourself and the and the, the law prior to that is love the Lord God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all that is within you and the second which all the law and the prophets hang on is love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's the overarching law or rule that we want to employ, that we want to to assert or insert into our relationships. And so we left off in this last um, segment talking about what examples of unhealthy relationship rules would be. And so we talked about do what looks good, even if it's dishonest. Don't be a bother. Don't rock the boat. Avoid conflict. Quote unquote, Just don't think about it. It'll go away if we ignore it. And we talked about a more serious level of ignoring is denial. So ignoring is I consciously am ignoring it and looking the other way. When ignoring becomes denial, denial means I really actually think it's not happening. And then we we left off on this one that says, do as I say, not as I do. And I was giving um, an example of how to make this rule work because many times what parents will do, what we will do as individuals or organizations, churches, is if we feel like we can't obey the rule that that we think is a, a healthy rule or edict, then we just won't employ it because if we can't keep it, we can't tell anybody else to keep it. And so what we want to look at today is we want to say to ourselves, to others, this is a really important rule. This is a really important edict, a really important directive or command So just because I'm not doing it doesn't mean I'm not working on it. So when I don't do it, I'm going to get back on the program. I'm going to keep working on it until I get it. So we can still say this rule is in place and needs to be followed. And that when we don't, we give each other grace for it. And we continue to practice how important obeying that particular rule would be. Similar to when we talked about how dangerous it is when we break the rule of red light running. So if I push it, one day and I run that yellow, then I I repent to God. I say, you know what? That was unwise. Thank you for keeping everybody safe. And I got to get back on the program and be a healthier driver. So I still am saying that's a good rule, even if I struggle. So the next one that we're going to talk about is express only happy, positive feelings. And in unhealthy family systems, there can still be a lot of love. I want you to remember But one of the unhealthy things that comes in in these family systems is that we relegate people to only happy feelings because we either are so overwhelmed with how inappropriate negative feelings are are expressed that we really just put people in a box of saying we only want to hear happy things. We only want everyone to have a smile on their face because it becomes too stressful and overwhelming to have uncomfortable feelings to have negative feelings and that comes from people being inappropriate with what they do with a negative feeling. So one of the rules that we want to put into healthy relationships is that I am allowed to have negative feelings, and I am required and I am committed to expressing that negative feeling in a healthy manner, which means I don't take it out on others. I don't vomit it onto people. I am careful with the way that I express that negative feeling. And so another one that happens is it's wrong to be angry or sad. So again, it's similar to only have positive feelings. But if you're angry or sad, that's quote unquote a bad feeling and you're not allowed to have those because it makes the rest of us feel bad. So it's very important that when we have that kind of a rule that we understand this is a boundary issue and that we are now judging feelings. And one of the things that are very important in relationship rules is that we don't judge feelings at all. Feelings are neither good or bad. Now, what we do with the feeling, that is something that we may need to judge. We may need to judge those behaviors. So as we're looking at these unhealthy relationship rules, we've got a couple more that we're going to look at, but I want you to think about that this is part of how we are helping the system that we are in. That would be a system is always a couple of people make up a system, and the way that that system interacts with one another can either be healthy or unhealthy. And the rules that we employ cause that system to be healthier or become more unhealthy. So this last one we talked about is it's wrong to be angry or sad. And in very unhealthy systems, we also have this next rule that's very unhealthy, and it says you must never question my behavior, but go along with it. And we see that sometimes with submission, when we have in Christian homes where submission is, is adhered to. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about rules and who needs them. I hear the whispers in my voice. Well, thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We are talking today about relationship rules. And before we get back into that discussion, I want to remind you again to visit me on my Facebook, visit me at my Facebook page, which is CynthiaHyatt.com, that's cinthiahiet dot com, and like me on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc., and the INC is Incorporated. So as we look at these relationship rules, we left off in the last segment talking about unhealthy relationship rules, and the last one we talked about was you must never question my behavior but go along with it. And we really see this abused many times in fundamentalist authoritarianism uh, systems. We see this many times um, preached in Christian churches when submission is, is taught and preached inappropriately or incorrectly, that we are to submit to whatever the leader of our family, our church our organization is doing, and we must not question it, but we go along with it. And so, if you're under a rule like that, you need to understand that's an extremely unhealthy rule, and that is not God-inspired. See, when God creates a rule, he, he explains himself many, many times, and he's doing it with love, and he's asking us to come and reason with him. So we're saying to him, I don't understand why you're putting this rule on me. Why do I need to do that? So you always want to think about God's system and how he works with his people And how he institutes rules and commandments and laws and why he's doing those and how much he is willing to talk about them. So this next unhealthy relationship rule is your needs are not as important as my needs. And you can see where this would go in a relationship. This makes it a very lopsided relationship, makes it very unequal. Another rule would be everything is either good or bad or feelings, preferences and opinions. So everything is judged. So an opinion or a preference, if it's different, if it differs, then all of a sudden that makes either that person's opinion bad or it makes my opinion bad or their preference is bad and my opinion, my preference is good. So what we want to think about is we don't want to moralize opinions, preferences, feelings. We don't moralize those. All right, another one. Defensiveness and sensitivity rule the relationship. So in other words, it's not safe to talk. This is a very unhealthy relationship rule is that if you do address it with me, I'm going to take it lateral because it's going to be so difficult for me to hear what you're addressing that it now becomes all about my sensitivity and i become defensive and it makes it very hard for you to talk about what your feelings, preferences, opinions may be. So defensiveness and sensitivity can rule the relationship. So this next one is walking on eggshells, which is very similar. It's like I'm walking on eggshells because I'm avoiding what I think might be landmines. And so I don't want to get to, to have a relationship where I'm having to walk on eggshells. And that usually is because it's ruled by sensitivity and defensiveness. Another very famous unhealthy relationship rule would be don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And we know that this comes many times from our family of origin that it became very unsafe to talk, very unsafe to trust. Because if we did tell our feelings, we don't know what's going to happen. And it becomes very unsafe to have a feeling other than something very positive. And so we also have this very famous unhealthy relationship rule, and that secrecy is the same as privacy, or privacy is now secrecy. And so you're not allowed privacy because that's a secret. So what you want to remember in healthy relationships, privacy is always protected. Humans need privacy as a basic human need. This is one of the ways that we torture POWs is we take away their privacy. This is one of the ways that that this is what happens to, to people that are imprisoned. This is why we don't want to go to prison. Your privacy is taken away. And so secrecy and privacy are very different. And this last one that we're going to look at is that you need to feel guilty if you have a need. This is a very unhealthy relationship rule, that if I need something, all of a sudden I feel guilty and I have to justify it and defend the need. So as we look further, let's look at what would be, in contrast, healthy relationship rules. What would, be, what would we be looking at in, in characteristics of a healthy system? Well, one, what we have is what we call five freedoms, and those would be expressed. These five freedoms, I'm going to list them for you. Are, are allowed to be expressed in that system, whether it be just a couple, whether it be a family, whether it be an organization, a church, a community, that these are allowed to be expressed. And this is that I'm allowed to express feelings freely. I have the power to perceive what's going on around me. Just think and interpret it. I have the, I have the, the power to emote or to, to have feelings. I have the power to choose. I'm allowed to want and desire things. And I'm allowed to be creative through the use of my imagination in either how I problem solve, express myself, or enjoy others. And there's also an unfolding process of intimacy. That means that if this is a family system, that the marriage is the chief component of the family. And it is in the process of becoming more and more intimate. So this process of intimacy goes through the stages of when we look at, and we'll look at this in more depth and in a different show, but the unfolding process of intimacy for marriage is that we start with being in love, then we work out differences, we compromise, and, indi- and then we have individualization, which means that as we worked out our differences, we then learn to compromise for preferences and opinions, which allows for me to still continue to be an individual. And then we have a plateau of intimacy, where for a time... There's just this nice plateau. And then again, we go through more growth and we start that process again. So in healthy systems, whether it be churches or organizations, families, again, there are negotiated differences. So negotiating differences is crucial in the task of process development of intimacy. And in order to have a foundation of intimacy, we have to be able to negotiate differences. And to to negotiate differences, there must be a desire to cooperate. So this desire creates the willingness to fight fair. And in next week's show, we are going to talk about that. We also talked about that last time uh, in last week's show. So you can always look on uh, my website for those podcasts. So the next one here is that we have clear and consistent communication. This is very important characteristic in healthy systems. And clear and consistent communication are keys to establishing separateness and intimacy. So you have to remember that the triune is three in one. So it is one. It operates as one because of the level of intimacy that the father, son, Holy spirit have, but the father, son, and Holy spirit are still individual. They still have their own identity. And so clear communication demands an awareness of yourself and the other, as well as having a mutual respect for each other's dignity. So part of a healthy system is there's always respect for each other's dignity and trust. This is a very important one that happens in healthy relationships and systems. And in next week's show, we're going to talk about very specific rules that govern a healthy relationship that allow for trust. So trust is created by honesty. And that means that we have to have a safe enough system that we're allowed to be honest. And that comes from an accurate expression of emotions, thoughts, and the desire. And the desires is more important than the agreement. The thoughts and the emotions are more important than whether or not we agree. That's where that mutual respect and dignity comes in. That I'm not needing to be right. What I'm needing is to be understood and to understand you. I'm needing to be accepted and to be able to accept you. That's where trust is created. That's where we feel that, that, that we are allowed honesty. And individuality is extremely important in a healthy family system. So in functional families and functional, functional businesses or churches, differences are encouraged and the uniqueness and the unrepeatability of each person is the number one priority. This does not mean an entitlement or narcissism or egocentrism. This means that we rejoice and we are curious and we are excited about the uniqueness of that person, that one time occurring individual that only happens one time. In healthy char- a healthy characteristic is also that it's open and flexible. In a functional system, the roles are open and flexible. So we can be spontaneous without fear of shame and judgment. So that means that we can flex when it comes to authority. We can share burdens. That means that, that we're allowed, if you're, if you're the husband, if you're the father, and, and you are usually the, you are the one that is the leader, that is making a lot of those decisions, that is supporting the family, that's taking responsibility for that family, that you're still allowed to also be vulnerable and have needs. And so we see that it's open and flexible, that we still bring our uniqueness to whatever role we play in that system. And that needs are fulfilled. So happy people are getting their needs met. And a functional family, a functional system... A functional relationship allows all the members to get their needs filled. And needs are respected, needs are supported, and needs are not judged. So we talk about that a lot with couples, that if you're an extrovert versus an introvert, the need you have is to be expressing yourself externally, to be dealing with your external world. You get get energized by talking with people and speaking out loud and sharing your thoughts. You have to talk out loud to know what you're thinking. That is a need that an extrovert has. Well, a need that an introvert has is time to ponder, is quiet contemplation, is less stimulation. They get overwhelmed and tired by too much talking. They need time to think. So when we are respecting differences, when we are letting needs be fulfilled, we are saying to the introvert, you need to have time alone. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to go shopping for four hours and I'm not going to come home early. I'm going to let you know if I'm coming home. And that helps an introvert to be able to get some of that pondering time and that reflection time to re-energize themselves. So in healthy systems, there's also accountability. Functional systems are accountable. They're willing to acknowledge individual problems as well as the problems of the system. So I'm accountable to the people I'm in relationship with. So if this is with my husband, I'm accountable for whatever issues God is dealing with me on. That doesn't mean that he's holding me accountable that he's the one that I'm answering to. That means that I'm actually answering to him. I'm telling him, listen, I'm working on these things. Ask me how I'm doing with these. This is what God and I are working on, and I want you to partner with me. So I'm not in denial. I'm not hiding problems. I'm not being dishonest. And they work, these systems work to resolve those problems. So we're willing to acknowledge a problem of a system as well as individual problems. And so the laws or the rules are open and flexible. The laws in a functional system will allow for mistakes. This is very important as we look at this. That laws can be and may be negotiable. Now, we're not talking about laws of morality. We're talking about rules that govern a system. So it's important in a healthy system, in a healthy family, in a healthy business, in a healthy church, that there's the allowance for mistakes, that people are learning, people are growing, and we are encouraging them to grow and to learn. And we want a healthy environment, a safe system for people to learn and to grow and to know what their limits are and to know how to to ask for forgiveness, to make amends, to learn where their weaknesses are, to understand how to utilize their strengths and how to utilize their strengths to support their weaknesses. So I want to really encourage you this this week, because next week we are going to finish this and we're going to do relationship rules, who needs them, part two. And we're going to talk about why God instituted rules. What was the whole point of the Ten Commandments? Why did he do that? And then we're going to talk about a really long list of rules. And I'm, they're not ex- it is exhaustive, but I want you to know that you don't have to follow them all. I'm giving you examples of rules that work in relationship, that work in systems. And we're going to kind of talk at length about the importance of these and continuing to understand how rules create safety. And rules bring out the best in people when they are done right. And rules cause people to be able to flourish and to grow in a healthy manner to help them support the uniqueness of who they are and the gifts and the talents that God has given them. So I also want you to be thinking for yourself, what are some rules that I may need to institute for myself? What are rules that maybe I need to let go of that aren't even healthy, that bind me up and oppress me? So that as I work on my own rules, I can then learn to do rules with others. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations hope this past with Cynthia. We has been Thank encouraging,
0: you. motivating, and inspiring to you.